students relaxing with open textbooks on a campus lawn. People like that were going to be my friends, and they would be friends who didn't think of me first as a violinist. Then, this morning, faced with the tiled floor and grayish fluorescent light of Penn Station, dragging everything I could carry in a suitcase and my handbag, the adventure felt a little too real. The confidence that had coaxed me to this point ran out like thread slipping off a spool. When the announcement came for my train, my limbs turned to jelly. Passengers around me stood, rushing to be the first to board, but I couldn't move. Once, I read an article in an old National Geographic about an adventurer's quest to reach the summit of the world's ten highest mountains. I remember a photograph of the climber scaling a towering cliff, gripping the ice with metal picks as the wind whipped dry snow in his blistered face. I remember thinking then that I could never do something like climb mountains, because no matter how wonderful the idea of standing on the world's highest summit might be, I could never get through those moments when you crossed the line between climbing and merely hanging on for dear life. Hearing the boarding call for my train, I thought of myself in that National Geographic picture, only I'd gotten halfway up the cliff and was suddenly paralyzed with terror, without the means to go forward or back. This is it. I can't go through with it. The truth is, had Mother been with me, I'm not sure what might have happened next. She can smell my fear. I could picture the look in her eyes, sensing that she'd won, that all she had to do was hug me and tell me that the easiest thing in the world would be to change my mind and not get on the train. But she hadn't been there, and somehow I'd gotten on board. Now what? I felt a stinging behind my eyes. No, I wouldn't second-guess myself. Not yet. I dug my iPod out of my handbag, eager for the soothing sounds of the Tracy Rice trio. When someone asks me what kind of musician I want to be, I tell them to go see Tracy Rice. Her music is vintage soul, driven by R&B beats that support her fearless, bare vocals. When she opened jazz at Lincoln Center last year, I left the theater feeling that the story of that night would be the one I'd mentioned to interviewers when, years later, they would ask me about the moment I knew I wanted to be a performer. I longed, then and now, to earn the power Tracy Rice holds over an audience. In a place called Coatesville, the clicking and lulling of the train car slowed and then stopped. Two passengers in my car got off, a new passenger got on. Moments later, the train jerked forward without warning and began its labored acceleration. My stop was next. The passenger opposite me, a graying woman knitting a small child's hat, eyed me from across the aisle. She looked perfectly sweet, but also a little nosy, the sort of chatty travel companion you end up beside on an overbooked plane when you just want to sit in peace. I wasn't prepared to discuss my story, where I'd come from and where I was going and it made me anxious to be reminded that I would eventually have to answer questions like these. I still hadn't decided what about myself I wanted to take with me into my new life. I turned away when the woman looked again. If I'd been on a plane, I could claim a fear of flying to explain my anxiety and silence. But there's no official fear of riding on trains, not that I'm aware of. It probably exists. That's what you learn in New York City. Everything exists but that wasn't a conversation I was interested in either.
We entered a valley slung between green hills sloping toward the blue-white sky. The tracks fell in sync with a river nestled like a fat, stone-colored snake along the bottom of the valley. Then, suddenly, we were above the water, suspended in a claustrophobic cage of steel. As we surged for the far bank, the swift current flowed diagonally below while blurred steel trusses flew by at irregular intervals, hardly inches from the window. The moment was dizzying a discordant symphony of motion violent enough to rupture the thin bubble of courage that I'd managed to stretch around my adventure. My wits were at last restored once the train rolled off the bridge and was swallowed softly by a thick forest, coasting now to the silent staccato of bright sunbreaks in the trees. In the retreat from all this commotion, something clicked in my head, the missing line to a song I'd been struggling to finish. Funny how the mind works how it can perform instantaneous chains of associations to a...